0: Welcome to the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are looking at the final episode of Season 3, Talitha Kumi, so Season 3, Episode 24, original air date May 17th, 1996, with action taking place in Virginia, Rhode Island, and Washington, D.C. As with most season finales and season premieres to this point, it was directed by R.W. Goodwin, a.k.a. Bob Goodwin. The story this time was co-conceived by David Duchovny and Chris Carter, with a script by Chris Carter, and we have guest stars playing new major roles here. The notable ones are Roy Thind as Jeremiah Smith. This is his first of three X-Files appearances in this character, but he's also known for A Beautiful Mind, General Hospital, and possibly best known for being the star of The Invaders. He has a lot more credits, ranging from 1957 to 2007. The second notable guest star is Hrothgar Matthews in his fourth and final appearance as his fourth different character. Now, the title Telethokumi is a biblical reference. It's an Aramaic phrase for Little Girl Arise from Mark 541. I have almost certainly mispronounced it both times, but it is thematically related to the story in that we have an alien who seems to be able to heal people with a touch. There are also references to the works of Fyodor Dostoevsky, We've got the Cancer Man's line: "Anyone who can appease a man's conscience can take his freedom away," which is taken directly from the Brothers Karamazov, which also inspired the name of the restaurant, the Brothers K. Now, in this one, Rothen was chosen to play Jeremiah Smith after David Duchovny shared an airplane ride with him. He was an alien who we later learn works for the government in a position that allows him access to data to the general population. He's present in a fast food restaurant when a man goes nuts and does a hostage situation, starts shooting people, and Jeremiah Smith starts healing them with a touch. Further investigation leads to the discovery that there are several men working for the government throughout the country, all in positions with data access. Now, the man who actually did the healing has been captured by the cancer man, while there are other of these duplicates taking his place to sort of baffle the FBI investigation and, you know, try to answer all their questions in such a way as to defer any suspicion. This time around, Scully does most of the investigation of the active X-File because Mulder's mother has had a stroke after having a heated discussion with the Cancer Man. Now, we know that someone is taking photos of this discussion. We later learn that it was X who brings those photos to Mulder and says he was there, the stroke happened after the Cancer Man left, so he didn't cause it. But part of the dialogue includes the Cancer Man saying that he was a better water skier than Bill, but Then again, that can be said of so many things, strongly implying that he had an intimate relationship with Mulder's mother shortly before Mulder was born. So during this episode, you know, when Mulder's mother has that stroke, while she's recovering, she also gives Mulder a hint that says palm. Because the stroke scrambled her brain, she misspelled it. She was actually looking for the word lamp, which is where they've hidden one of those weapons that can kill the aliens by piercing the back of their neck. So Mulder finds that in their summer home in Quantica on Rhode Island. And eventually, the original Jeremiah Smith, who did the healing, manages to trade for his freedom with the Cancer Man by saying that he has lung cancer, which can be healed in exchange for his freedom. And he reaches out to Scully. The episode concludes with Scully bringing this Jeremiah Smith to a meeting with Mulder, only to have the alien bounty hunter show up and attempt to kill them. And that is the season-ending cliffhanger. So all in all, it's a good episode, and as with most season finales and season premieres, it is obviously something that's meant to build the bigger mythology. I enjoyed it overall. We get some nice moments here, and it really starts building the backstory and the relationship between Mulder and the Cancer Man that's going to be developed a lot more, particularly in Season 6. But now on to the new segment of the show, the one that I'm hoping is exclusive to this particular X-Files podcast, because I know there's several out there, dealing with the science. Now there's two elements of sort of super science here. One is the healing touch, and the other is the shape-shifting. Of the two, what appears to be the healing touch is actually the most plausible. Now, I see no way that one such incompatible biology could heal another, but if the aliens have the technology for interstellar travel, then they've probably already developed nanotechnology for medicinal purposes. I mean, human development is probably going to hit the medicinal nanotechnology before interstellar travel on any practical level. So with the wildly varied biologies, the aliens could probably... (laughs) need to be walking around just full of that stuff in order to simply survive in our atmosphere. And sharing that technology via contact and having the bots, you know, repair the biology as they find it based on that biology's DNA, and then return when their job is done, is certainly within the realm of possibility, and would leave no evidence behind. So you know, doctors wouldn't find the nanotechnology in the blood samples if the nanites would then return to Jeremiah. So that's something that certainly could work as we see it. The shape-shifting is much more of a challenge. The way it's depicted here, it's not just rearranging things, but changing the type of tissue with the addition or removal of facial hair and so forth. The mass of the person also appears to change, the apparent age changes, there's also the question of internal structure with any shape-changer, what happens to the organs during the transformation, and the way it's depicted here, where you know he shape-shifts while standing right in front of a police officer, while he's in a dog pile of people on the floor in all these cases nobody notices, that means it's not just quick, but it's virtually silent. And this is much less likely. If you're going to have that dramatic of a change, I imagine there's going to be some noises and sounds that go with it, especially in the dog pile when people could feel where you are when they're either above or below you. That said, those are the key points for this episode. In terms of the big myth arc, we'll get a lot more of that when we discuss the season four premiere in two weeks' time. And next week, we will do a general Season 3 roundup. In the meantime, feedback can be sent to Bureau42podcasts at gmail.com and maybe read in a podcast. Also, feel free to rate this and any other shows you want on iTunes, Stitch, or whatever podcatcher you use. It really does help the shows get noticed. And finally, thank you for listening.